You're listening to a 1FM podcast. And welcome to the AFL opening bounce. After last week's first round of finals, well, what more What more could you ask from a game of footy than the four games we had last week? They were absolutely amazing. Two big games coming up this week, which we will uh, jump to live in our NRS coverage once we are finished here online tonight. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us. I'm Jason Aspland. To the left of me is an empty chair. Sydney the Bridge, he's not feeling real great this afternoon, so... He decided instead of coming and sharing the flu with us, he'd keep it to himself and uh, just give us a little bit of advice. But he did give me his uh, three two ones for the last week's game because he had the Melbourne uh, Melbourne Sydney game was was his one to do the tips on, and he did give me that and a little bit of info on that game. But the show would be nothing without Mark the Statsman Owens. Mark, how you doing? How you going, Jason? Look, I hope Sydney gets well soon. So all the best if you're listening in, Sydney, on this Friday evening. Look, I think we should just mark the sad passing of Queen Elizabeth uh, II. Uh, of course, it's dominated the news services. There's just been a 96-gun salute at uh, Canberra, at Parliament House, and uh, condolences from 1FM 98.5 must go to uh, the royal family. Yeah, look, it's... I guess from our live stats, there's only had only been one one monarch that we've had, and now it's now we don't. It's sort of a bit of a weird thing. It's it, it is a weird thing, and I was surprised by my reaction to the passing. I my sister texted me at her past three this morning, and I um, not that it wasn't totally unexpected, I suppose, in a lot of ways, but it still was a very sad end, and uh, I, I just think that. Um, you know, like you say, it's the end. It's it's hard to describe it. It's the end of the uh, second Elizabethan era, um, and it, it's interesting times going forward. Yeah, and uh, my kids said, "Well, what happens now, Dad?" So well, now we got a king. So, well, but we got a queen. No, we don't have a queen anymore. We've got a king, and uh, well, we will have once he gets coronated. So, yeah, something a bit a bit sad and a bit different that. Sort of, I guess. Well, in our lifetimes, Jason, she has always been the queen. That's right. And we've never had, like you said, any other monarch. So it it does feel really strange today. Yeah. But we still have football. So let's let's move on to some football. And and there there is a lot to talk about on the the four games that we did have last week. Uh, Of course, we already spoke last week about the Thursday night game and the controversy that came through with, with all of that. And there was a bit more that's come up in that as far as the Tigers pursuing the goal review uh, and uh, demanding to know how the AFL came up with their bits. Was there extra camera footage that wasn't shared? And I don't think Dimmer Hardwick got a real lot of answers. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very disappointed in the AFL. I'm usually... Uh, I try and put... Uh, I try and put my AFL hat on a little bit to see their point of view, but... With score reviewing, they keep saying that there are, there are different angles and this, that and the other. 
and we don't ever get to see them, well, I think it's about time that the general public get to see the different angles and the angle they actually made the decision on. Because they keep saying that was they backed their uh, decision, and that's okay to back it, but to me... It was inconclusive, like I said last week, and they it should have stood as a goal. Even though I would have lost money on the game had it had stood, it should have stood. Look, and uh, across the course of four games last week, 33 league changes as well. It was an unbelievable first week to the finals. It was. And just on that the, the bit there, there was a guy that had his phone out and he'd filmed it from pretty much what you'd say was the, the sweet angle. And even looking at that, it was a pretty tough call as did it go over the post or, or did it not? And he had a much better angle than what we were looking at. But if they've got, you know, let's say they've got 15 cameras and they're only showing us four, and in the end they decide, all right, camera 13, that's the one that we're going to make our decision on. Put camera 13's footage up on the big screen. Put it up on the TV. You don't have to show us all 15 cameras at once, but show us where you came up with your decision. Yep, that's what I want to know. Where did you come up with the decision? What footage did you use? That's right. So that's now we're speaking to Mark, our, our Brisbane supporter. Last week we I tried to get him on air, but he he was busy and we, and we couldn't do so. But he's he's still pretty he's pretty cocky out there at the moment, and he's already planning next week. So he he seems to think that he's uh, walking through the, this game uh, this week pretty so easily. So the Brisbane Football Club have actually boarded the plane thinking that they're going to come to the MCG and win. They, like they just don't do it. So apparently, if I was them, I wouldn't even bother. Apparently the they have. So in amongst Mark's illogical way of looking at life sometimes, he actually had not a bad idea. So does he know that Danaher is now out of the side this evening as well? Uh, well, that up until two seconds to go in the other game, that would probably was a good thing anyway. But look, his idea was... With all the technology that we have, now he's got a background in electronics and uh, he works for a company like like Midis, um, those sort of companies. So he's a sales rep for that sort of stuff. He said, why don't the AFL have powerful LEDs on the top of these goalposts? You know, why isn't there a beam that shoots up into the sky on top of these goalposts that we could clearly see the ball crossing and breaking this beam? Okay, why, why isn't there a... a how hard could it be to have some powerful LEDs on top of each goalpost? Now, what, what, I thought, well, you know, that's an interesting idea. What do you think of that one, Mark? Well, I think we can get the Star Trek Enterprise beaming up at the MCG and beam up the football and the goal umpires and the player that kicked the ball. That's a stupid idea. You, you, know, you, th- you think that's a stupid idea? Yeah, because you know why? I don't believe in the technology. I don't trust it. I still reckon they'd get it wrong after all that, and they should not have the technology at all. Umpire's decision or nothing. Umpire's decision... W- Look, the technology came because the umpires were wrong. And, and in our, so be it. Yes, but in our society, because we had we're so much We're getting it wrong footage, now. That's, well, that's true. I'm not saying that. This was a wrong call. There's no doubt about it. But... Would it not make sense if, in this case exactly, you would have been able to see whether that beam was broken or not? You would have clearly, definitively been able to tell. Yeah, Scotty, beam me up. Well, you'd have to be beamed up. It's just a light. Okay, we have it all over the place. We're LED lights controlling everything else. Optus Stadium is run entirely by these kind type of lights. It would be very easy to have that there 
to go through. So this was just an idea that got thrown out. And I thought, well, you know, there's maybe merit in that. I'm, it's, it's too logical for the AFL to take up something like that. But well, when we're going to that level, you've got to start the question, why are we having the technology in the first place? Because if we, we have to go to that depth of level. Because we want it right. We want we're to We're getting know. it wrong anyway. So why don't we just stick to the umpire's call? Now, look, you know what? At the end of the day, I think the right decision was made. But where I'm upset with, I don't think there was enough evidence to overturn the umpire's call. That's right. And the umpire's call, I believe, should always stand in the first instance. And that's where the where Dimmer's, where Hardwick was saying, is that, that everything we've seen is inconclusive. So how could you overturn the umpires? What evidence did you have to do that? And and he, I don't blame him for saying that. And he's got the, And as he said, he goes, people have lost their job over this. As we know, football's a cutthroat industry. It, it, win or lose can affect whether you're keeping a certain coach or whether you're not or certain yeah, things I, like I that. I reckon he went but, over the top with that statement. Yeah, but, but it's still true. Yeah, I, well, I think... They probably would have lost their job the week later, but I've, hey. I've never known a, a coach to make finals losing their job. Well, that's true. But anyway, it was 106 to 104. With a, whether that goal counted or not, it doesn't matter because Danaher was the one in the goal square and he he crumbed the ball absolutely magic and snapped it through. That left us to Friday night. Now, of all the four games, this one probably turned out the most disappointing, I think, stats, uh, which was Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, 10 goals, 9.69, 14 goals, 7.91. Overall, the first three quarters, it was a pretty good game of footy. Swan started out with a bit of a lead. That then got turned around into about a 16-point lead to Melbourne partway through the second quarter. Swan's pegged it back and were in front at halftime. Melbourne jumped out three quarter uh, in the third quarter. And at that point, I thought, you know, the Swans might be done here. This is when Melbourne tend to jump into that next gear. But the Swans found a way and in the end just ran over Melbourne in that last quarter and it was pretty poor effort in the end. You've got to hand it to John Longmire. He's a fantastic coach. He took over when Ross Lyon, uh, not Ross Lyon, sorry, uh, uh, Ruse was, Paul Ruse, Paul yeah. Ruse was uh, coaching the Swans and he took over from that and it was sort of the end of an era in a lot of ways where they'd won a flag and then they sort of dipped backwards a little bit. But, you know, he was responsible for busting up Clarko's cluster uh, after that premiership win in 2008. And he was also responsible for breaking up what they called uh, the Eagles web, the West Coast Eagles defensive web uh, after the 2018 premiership. So he's a master tactician. Look, they ran in numbers. They looked quicker, ran in waves. Their intensity was just... Awesome, and it, that's hard to keep up for four quarters, as we saw in the Collingwood game that we'll get to in a minute. But uh, like they, they just like they're just so balanced from defence. Great that the McCartan brothers are re-signed at the club. Uh, they both got them back on board. Their their midfield oozes class, and they just wait for the right option. And they seem to have time and space when there isn't any. And I just love their delivery into the forward line. And even Lance Franklin, who didn't have the best of nights, May sort of owned him in a lot of ways. They still were managing the work around that and hit the scoreboard. So uh, Bridges did the, the votes for us on this one. And 
let me find where he put them. Um, there we go. All right, so obviously I, I think it would have been a tough game to give votes to because Sydney is such a balanced side, like you were just saying there. It's, they're a side where they don't really so much have a single superstar that totally kills the game. But in the end, the way that Bridges went was he gave one vote to Papley. Now, Bridges, we know Bridges doesn't have a real lot of faith in Patley. He's given him more spuds than he has anything else in time. But I think the view there was Patley's work up the ground was quite good. His pressure and intensity on the game was, was very good. He gave two votes to Stephen May. Uh, and I think that was because he just made Franklin a null event. Yeah, and he, he got 23 disposals, May, and 583 metres gained as well. That's right. Seven marks in there on top of that. And if we if I scroll down a long way to find Franklin, uh, there we are. Franklin, seven touches only, 100 metres gained, no points whatsoever. So he, he totally shut Franklin out of the game. And that probably was... That's what gave Melbourne a chance, but it just didn't... They found other ways to score goals. And he gave three votes to Callum Mills. Uh, and I think that one was, was pretty straightforward. He only had 23 touches, but 16 of them were kicks, 600 metres gained, and 11 tackles. So yeah, I thought Jakey Lloyd off halfback and kicking two goals and hitting the scoreboard with 25 disposals. Could have got in there as was, well. Was uh, the BOG for mine, with Mills probably second best yeah. on the evening, and then May. Jakey Lloyd just got gypped all together and got donuts. <laughs> Thanks, Bridges. Jake just sends out his uh his thank you card to to you. Uh, and if we look, as far as fantasy scores, well, yeah, Oliver was the second. Mills, Oliver and Mills were the top in that with Lloyd third. So a, a balanced performance by the Swans. And geez, that you have to wonder how far that team can go. What have I said to you that the Swans for the second time this year? Uh, got Melbourne on the turnover. Well, Melbourne couldn't score off their turnover. Their two lowest turnover scores uh, for the last two years have happened against the Swans this year. Okay. Uh, and that's because of why? What did you put that down to? The pressure? In fact, make that the last 10 years. Last 10 years? Yeah. Well, you can't really go back more than about three years with Melbourne because you just well, end up Well, definitely the last two, and it's been over the 10 years that they've not being able to score off their turnover against the Swans. It's an interesting stat, isn't it? It, it is. And I think that's the Swans' game style. They did the same thing to St Kilda earlier in the year. Every time the ball got turned over, you, you only got one or two possessions and then you ran into a wall that seemed to cause a reverse turnover. And that's what the Swans were scoring a lot off too. What, the, what were the Swans... Uh, actual scores off of turnover. Do you have that one? I, I haven't actually got that written down, but uh, I know that Melbourne were very low, and that, that was Richmond's DNA to winning premierships, so scores off turnovers. So, and Melbourne were really good at that last year, although, well, like I said in last week's show, for some reason, the Sydney Swans are the kryptonite to Melbourne. So tackles-wise, uh, 70 to 84, so... The Swans won the tackle count. Inside 50s at tackles, this is a big stat. And, and I think this probably has a lot to do with the game result. 13 to Melbourne, 25 yep. 
to Sydney. So, you know, that's an extra 12 shots at goal or 12, 12 stoppages that could easily have been rebounded out that they were able to shut down. So well done to the Swans. Uh, Joey, of course, our, our great sponsor at Pat and Tina's BP, was not overly impressed. Uh, he made the decision uh, not to go to tonight's game. He thought maybe he, the, the fact that he's been to the last couple of games, <laughs> that he's the bad luck charm. So he's decided to watch this one on TV. But he, he was really disappointed in his boys. And, and, and even tonight, he's, uh, Joey, are you going to win? I don't know, Jace, was the answer. Uh, now, all year, confidence has been there by Melbourne supporters. The belief to be able to do it has been there. They're now starting to doubt themselves and take Petrarca out of that lineup, which we'll talk about later. And that does alter the what's going on there just a little bit. So, But big win to Sydney. It gives them a, a week off this week. They go forward into a prelim final, which will be the winner of the, Carl, uh, the Collingwood and Dockers game. So that's who they'll play next week. And then let's move on to the next game. In fact, before we do move on... Oh, I believe Melbourne will go and play Geelong. They will, yes. Uh, let's jump to a sponsor. If they break. win tonight or Brisbane. Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne played Geelong, yes. Uh, Let's uh, jump to a sponsors break. On the other side of the sponsors break, we will go into the the Geelong and Collingwood game and have a bit of a talk about that. You're listening to the AFL Opening Bounce, brought to you by Pat and Tina's. They're the BP service station up the north end of Shepparton. Pat and Tina's BP service station, North Shepparton, has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet, and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. And we are all fired up here live and local on 1FM in the opening bounce here in the studios. And, of course, we are brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP service station. Best way to go and get your fuel, especially if it's a day like yesterday where it was pouring rain and yuck. Don't even get out of your car. Just rock up there. Let Joey get all wet. He'll make sure your car's all filled up. Do the money. Do all the bits and pieces. Bring your out of coke and those sort of things as you need and get it all done. But... Let's move on to Saturday night, well, Saturday daytime it was, and uh, it was the Cats. It was Twilight Zone, it was. Twilight, Twilight Zone, yes, the Twilight Zone. Well, that's one way of looking at it. If you're a Collingwood supporter, you could think you were in the Twilight Zone. because they tried. about the Starship Enterprise a little earlier, now we're talking about the Twilight Zone. See, we can fix it all. We just need to bring in sci-fi into football, and away it fixes it. 11 goals, 12, 78 10 goals, 12, 72. The Cats were the winners over the Pies. The Pies had control of this game for pretty much all day, except for when it counted. And the close finishes stats, they fell short on this one. And there was a couple of little reasons as to why. The the first thing, I think the bottom six of Geelong played uh, a lot more, with a lot more maturity than the bottom six of Collingwood. I felt that players, some younger players got found out. Now, I know Ash Johnson kicked two goals too, and he was, uh, you know, he's been great for Collingwood, but he just lost his composure. He tried to do a snap when he should have had a set shot. Uh, we had Meyer check down on the afternoon. Not the first time that Meyer check has not turned up on the big stage either, and I love uh, Brody Meyer check and what he does, but he does need to lift in finals. And I just felt... 
Geelong just had the composure and they just had the maturity, and that's what got them over the line in the end against the Pies. I want to ask you this question. What's the point in playing Mason Cox if he's only going to play 46% of game time? I, I, look, I, I'm i with you. I I don't get why we do play him. I Look, the, the media keep carrying on that he played one good game in a prelim final against Richmond, and he's hung his hat on that for a couple of years now. I, look... I think Mason Cox, as a, as a person, is a great person. But I think it's just an experiment that just hasn't worked at the club. And we need to look into moving past Mason Cox. See, I don't know. Like, if you look at the things that he's done, he's been a big game player. He's an Anzac Day medalist. Some of the, his biggest games are on the biggest stages. So it, it, when, he's, when it's a nothing game, we don't seem to get much out of him. But when it's really on the line is when he stood up. How's he going to do that if he's sitting on the bench? He didn't get subbed out, so he wasn't a sub. He just didn't play football. You know, he had six touches only, um, gained 22 metres. Had, he still had 23 hit-outs, so he still, what time he did spend, he was just straight in the ruck. But I've just, I'm lost as to why you wouldn't move him forward and try and help out your forward line or move him back and send him back there as a two-metre tall defender. I, I don't think he's an Anzac Day medalist. I think he is. No, I don't think he is. He kicked... Uh, Double-check your records. I yeah, think. I don't think he's an Anzac Day medalist. He blitzed one of those Anzac Day games. I'm sure of it. He kicked like five or six goals and, and won the medal. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. But anyway, that aside, like, I, I stand by what I say. I, I just think that he... like, And you're right, I suppose, in some respects that... Um, they didn't play him for a lot of game time either, but that's because they're trying to probably work him into positions on the ground and trying to work him into the contest as well. And and it's like a Mister Fix It in a way. And I just I, I just think what what if we have to structure him in such ways? Why are we persisting? But they don't normally play him so little game time. That that's an anomaly to to do that. Normally he does go forward into the forward line, and does manage to kick a goal or two or comes up with some, something to help bring the ball to ground, which is, I guess, what we've been asking from him over the last few years. If you can't mark, give Elliot and these guys a chance at your feet to do something, help Ginevan get an extra couple of goals. But you can't do that if you're sitting on the bench. Well, look, that aside, I, I still think that there were players like Majacek that were down on the day you know, uh, well, he played really now, well. Check, he's a good example of a guy that goes AWOL when you need somebody. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I said a little earlier. Like, he just doesn't stand up and deliver on a really big stage, and he really needs... So I've got a lot of time for Brody Majacek. I think he's a very good player. But time and time well, again on big stages, he's... Super coach-wise, he's the guy you put in your loophole spot because you don't know if you're going to get one point or 101 points out of him. And you just can't risk playing him if you haven't got that ability to put somebody else in afterwards. So what about Gary Rowan's game? Was this, I guess, a moment in, this, in time for him? He's been highly criticised for his finals efforts over the years. And he's kept three goals, 14 disposals. Uh, didn't have too much of the ball, but he had a big he impact. He had high impact. He kicked yeah. three goals, one. And I thought it was one of the better games I've seen him play. And he's really responded, hasn't he, on a big stage where he was one that was much maligned heading in to the game. And, uh, of course, even, uh, you know, Scott, his coach, uh, 
had to defend him during the week and uh, in relation to some of the games he's played on the biggest stage and he backs his man and you you got to give it to Chris Scott. Like, I just think that uh, he backs him all the way and he delivered certainly uh, in the twilight zone Saturday evening. Uh, now, the votes of this one were in your hand stats. Uh, what did you come up with with your three, your, your one, two, three of this game? Oh, look, I thought Jordan Degoe would get one vote. I thought he was absolutely awesome for Collingwood on the weekend. My two votes actually went to Jeremy Cameron with his three goals too, and he was just that beacon up forward. And Tom Atkins, especially in the final quarter when they really needed someone to stand up and deliver, Tom Atkins was the man. He had 23 disposals like... Uh, Scotty Pendlebury was really good as well with his 34 disposals. Okay. Um, so you couldn't get Gary Rowan in there into that? No, that I, I couldn't. I thought Jeremy Cameron was the one. He kicked the first goal at, at, for Geelong of the game, and he was the one that constantly just pushed up field. And in big moments late, he kept his composure that allowed Geelong back into the contest. Okay. Um, Atkins has been a... I guess a revelation for the for the Cats this year with such a star-studded lineup. He was sort of always looked at as a B-grade level player, but over the last I guess twelve weeks probably, he's stepped up into as an A-grade level attack, a defensive defensive midfielder. Really, he's getting the tackles. He's got the pressure. Uh, I think that's a a big plus for the Cats with their ageing list to be able to have someone like him come through. Brad Close was another one I I thought was quite good. Two goals, one for him. And and as far as metres gained, well, good old Tommy Stewart, he found his form again. Had a shot at goal and kicked a point. So it's been a defender's uh, goal-kicking weekend or shots at goal weekend. But 600 metres gained for him. Young Zach Zach Guthrie, 586 metres gained. So some good meterage in those guys. For the Cats, they got away with the win, did they? Or, no, or, I, look, or, or they earned you it? You know what? The KPI sort of favour Collingwood, oddly enough. And in games where they've uh, just won, the KPIs have favoured the opposition. But like I said, it was just a composure thing. Like, Maya checking that second term plays on when he should have went back and kicked the goal and owned the moment. And like I said about... Johnson with his uh, snapshot when he should have just owned the moment, went back and had a kick because he's a beautiful kick of the football. But look, Collingwood had some misses early and they really cut him up with handball, particularly inside their forward 50. But Geelong got him back on the contested footy. Uh, you, Collingwood won the tackles 70, uh, 85 to 70. So they, they won that. I think the stat... If I look through the stats, Collingwood win all, pretty much all the stats. But the one that probably kills their game is the efficiency inside 50. Uh, the Cats were at 49.1%, 42% for the Pies. So a little bit more inefficient when the ball came in. And Geelong got them on the rebound and that, as well with Tom Stewart coming and, out of their defensive 50. And that's what I mean by that efficiency inside 50. If you turn it over there, Cats just bang and, and you're in trouble at the other end of the ground. So uh, it was a uh, it was a really not good game. I listened to this one. I didn't get a chance to see it. It was a, a listen game. So I was listening in on, 
on our live and local coverage. Well, I was coming home from Avenal and I heard the first call and then watched the final three at home with the National Indigenous Radio Service uh, coverage and I had the sound down on the television. But uh, look, what do you think of, of course, Craig McRae uh, sort of belying the fact that the uh, Pies players uh, were lying on the ground after the game? Uh, I missed that one. I missed his press conference. Yeah, well, he he sort of said that he didn't want players lying on the ground after a loss. He wanted them to act like winners. You lost, mate. You lost. You what? They're not supposed to have any emotion. They're not supposed to care that they lost. No, you're supposed to act like a winner. I totally agree with him. Oh. The the only time that that's allowable, I believe, is when you've lost the grand final. Yeah, but in the pies the pies defence. That they've been up for so long and their belief sort of goes through, maybe it just a little bit of emotion got to them and, and they also might have been a bit shocked that they actually didn't get over the line. Well, obviously it's a highly emotional game, but uh, he's trying to instill a brand at that football club and I totally agree with what he, he said. I, he got he got uh, collared in some quarters for it, but I, I totally agree. Stand up and act like a winner, shake their hands, walk up with your head held high. Yeah, you can, but at the same time, you've just given everything out there. Uh, maybe th- that's just you c- you collapse. Oh, and in your own mind, you find it a bit hard to fathom that you you did fall short by six points when you you really believed you could have won that game. So, but it becomes a mindset if you start if you start walking tall even in defeat, and you decide, okay, we've lost the game, we're going to stay upright, we're going to stay in defeat, we're not going to show that. Yes, we're disappointed, but we're going to act like winners. That will eventually transfer to winning a lot more games uh, and winning a premiership. I think Collingwood have got enough other issues to worry about than, than worry about that. No, one, it's I'm about sure. it's it's about mindset. Yeah, no, nah, can't, can't have that one. Can't have it. Well, you uh, got to have it. No, you got to have it because obviously, like you barricking for St Kilda and I hate to make this point but the losing culture there and they haven't won a flag since 1966 this bloke's a winner that's come from a winning culture he's won three flags at Brisbane and has been an assistant at Richmond yeah that's fine but the players are still allowed to they're still human and they're allowed to actually have some emotion themselves Uh, that's the bit I'm getting at I'm not saying do it every week but you do it behind closed doors Sometimes it's just like you've given everything and you fell short and it just wasn't enough. And that's obviously where the Pies as a group were at. So the bit will be as to how they bounce back this week after that. Was that what you're saying there, them giving up for the season? Was that their end of their season in their own mind? Or was it just that they fell short that game and they were that exhausted and that disappointed themselves that they collapsed? Well, I really liked it. I applauded Craig McRae for coming out and saying it because what it shows me is he's got a winning mentality and he wants to win. All right. Uh, and ne- look like a winner. Well, what was good was that the Cats won. Uh, that's just that's the best part of that whole game was because my footy tip and wasn't doing so well at this point. That was I was zero and two, needed the cats to win. Uh, in the third game, in the fourth game, I was I p- tipped the doggies. I've, I just had faith that the doggies might be able to get a jump on Frio and and do what was needed to be done, and and they did exactly that. Forty one points out they were with a few minutes to go in the second quarter. And this game was over. This was, 
you know, I was sitting watching the game with Freddie, our, our great Bulldog supporter, and he was already starting to think, all right, where am I getting my tickets from next week to go and watch Collingwood and, and Bulldogs play football? And I, I was absolutely amazed that the Dockers were able to peg this lead back one goal at a time. They didn't do it in a five-minute period. They just one goal at a time, one goal, one goal, and they just pegged them back and they got in front. And in the end, 73 to 60, and it's a 54-point turnaround. Yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? In fact, I backed the dogs in this one. I was counting the cash, and then Fremantle just uh, turned it on its head, didn't they? And uh, the the dogs for mine, and I know they've got this, that they need to change their game style now because... Look, initially last year when they started adopting this flip-flop style of handball, um, it was confusing opponents. Now it's confusing them. They were missing targets. They were just like when Fremantle started to get that roll on, they just had completely no answer, the dogs. And it was all about work rate like uh, Fredericks and Driscoll and Schiltz and Swarkowski all started getting back into the contest who were down early and they just ramped up the pressure and... The, the dogs just couldn't sustain that run that they had early for four quarters, and they got overran. Okay, so uh, I had the votes for this one, and it was tough to give the votes because at quarter time, Bont had three votes, and this game was already done and dusted. Bont was absolutely brilliant in that first quarter. He led like a captain, kicked the first goal of the game, and he still had 30 disposals at the end of the game, but effectively he was phased out of the game and his pressure was phased out. Uh, Frederick's rundown tackle in the goal square was just amazing. Everybody else would have given up on that play and he ran down and the ball fell into to Walter's hands and Walter's three goals for the old guy was very, was very brilliant. good. Frederick's is brilliant. He, Walter's and Frederick's nearly got in there, but no, I couldn't do it to him. I, I did give... Uh, th- one vote to Josh Dunkley. Okay, and, and you might say, oh, how can you give a Bulldog a vote when they, they do drop by that? But 14 tackles to Dunkley. In that, uh, I think it was the start of the fourth quarter or the third quarter, He took the first two plays that he was involved in were run-down tackles, turnover, that got the Dogs that goal. And that was that turned out their last goal that they kicked until late in the, in the fourth quarter. You know, there's a near hour between goals for them from that. But Dunkley never gave up. I thought he was really good. He kicked a goal himself. And whoever gets Dunkley next year, which I don't think will be the Bulldogs, um, is going to pick up a, a player that really is an elite midfielder. He just doesn't get the run in that spot. Uh, two votes goes to Caleb Sarong. Uh, I thought his pressure, the ability to win the hard contested ball was really good in the, that comeback. Wherever the ball was, he seemed to be there. He seemed to be able to move it on and he seemed to be able to do really well. So 33 touches he had and he got on the scoreboard for a goal as well. So two votes to him. One vote, uh, sorry, three votes goes to a guy that doesn't normally have much of the ball, but... I think clearly best on ground, and that's Luke Ryan. I he know, was brilliant. I, I know yep. normally you you shoot me for who I give me three votes to, but no, it, I agree. With you. I thought he was best, and wasn't talked about much either in he, the win. He totally owned uh, Norton. Norton had no effect on the game whatsoever. He was. Uh, that's what the Bulldogs needed in that last quarter. I kept thinking, you know, if Norton can get one or two goals here, that would be enough momentum to kick him forward. 
but he couldn't do it. So 31 touches, 25 of those were, were kicks. So he, he made use of the ball when he, when he actually put it out. Uh, 680 metres gain for a fullback is not a bad effort for a, day's, for a day of football. So three votes went across to him. Uh, well done to Luke Ryan. And I think Collingwood are, are going to want to try and take him out of the game a little bit if they can this week. Yeah, they might even need to tag him because he's just that type of player that just accumulates possessions in their back half. Look, I give four votes to Justin Longmuir. And you know what for why? Because he didn't panic. He saw, he actually saw that the young Fremantle side had some nerves heading into that final, and he kept his powder dry. He didn't panic at quarter time. He didn't rant and rave. He didn't go off. He just kept the players in their position, didn't panic, kept to the game style, kept to the structure. They recognised as a coaching group that the young group had sort of been overawed early. They were, and they weren't fought, they? And they thought that they could get back into it. But I thought Justin Longmuir, brilliant coaching, to just keep your powder dry, keep your nerve, and recognise that your young group was overawed early, but backed them to get back into the contest. Because in that first quarter, they did. They, they were fumbly. You could see they were second-guessing what they were doing with the ball. The emotion of 50,000 Fremantle supporters cheering for them was was too much. And I was a little bit surprised at that because, f- as a rule, your West Australian clubs, they do fill the stadium every week. So 50,000 is um, not an unusual crowd. This was the largest crowd that the, for a game that they've had at the... Uh, uh, at the Optus Oval, there was more there for this game than there was for the grand final last year. Uh, only by you know a fifty, a couple of hundred, hundred people, but there still was more there than there was at the grand final. So that would be still to me a normal game for them a lot of the time, especially in derbies and things like that. So I was a bit surprised at how they had wilted under the pressure, and really it took Walters to kick that first goal to actually make someone believe that they could do it. And then they kicked one, another one and another one. And they just, those couple of goals before half time were, were there. I, I had a bit of a look around. I, I was watching this one uh, on a big screen uh, locally. And I thought, oh, I wonder what Frio were just paying to win the flag from here at half time, being that they're looking dead and buried. And they were at $41 they'd blown out to at half time to win the flag. Now, obviously, they they got a long road to go to do that. But they were about 18 before the start of the game. So it was there. And then they come back and won. So I gave them the song this week because I thought, look, Sydney's win was good because they tortured the, the reigning premiers. But you're 41 points down in an elimination final and you can find a way to come back and win that game comfortably... I think that was a big effort and a big turning point for Frio's year. Three goals, seven to the Dogs after quarter time. A lot, and a lot of those were easy misses. Some of them were rushed and things like that, but a lot of them were easy misses. And if we look at who's, who's kicked those, uh, uh, actually that's another guy that could have easily nearly got votes as well is the guy in his second game, Jai Miss. Yeah, he was really good, wasn't he? Now, his, fir- he, his yep. first goal was a miss. Uh, and that was like 10 metres out straight in front and he, and he kicked a point. But after that, he took some big marks and I thought he, he had a, a really good game. English missing, um, Lockie Hunter missing. JJ was good. Yep. Um, and I think he was the put in there to do Libba's job 
And you, they, they ultimately missed the liver, didn't they? You, you can't cover liver. I, I think that was a, a bit like Dunkley brought the tackling pressure, but you ne- he needed a, a, a partner in crime and he just didn't have it. Cody Waitman didn't really give us anything at all in the game. Norton had 11 touches, but only one shot on goal, so he just didn't have any effect in the game at all. Brayshaw was was pretty good. He was very clean, uh, kicked a goal, 32 touches. So it was a big win by the Dockers that uh, unfortunately put the Bulldogs out, and I was hoping the Bulldogs were going to go deep into September, but it's a bit of a shame in that one. And that left us with... The two games for this weekend, Melbourne versus the Lions, which will be in an hour and a half's time, and it will be live and local here on 1FM. And tomorrow at 7.25pm, both games at the G this weekend, and it is Collingwood versus the Dockers there. And the winners will go on. The winner of tonight's game will go on to play the Cats. Is that right, Stats? Yep. And the winner of tomorrow night's game will go off to the SCG to play the Swans. Swans And that's going to be a tough task to play play the Swans. So with six left stats, what's your thoughts? Who are the two going to make the big dance? Look, uh, traditionally, with a top eight system, the, the sides that make the top four in the second week rebound from a loss, traditionally. It's like a 90% record. It's It's not often... It does happen on occasions, but it's not often that sides in the top four lose the semi-final weeks. They usually bounce back, and they bounce back pretty hard as a general rule. So I'm going to play the statistics and say that Melbourne will, will meet Geelong. I think that they'll beat the Lions, and I think Collingwood, the wetter the better, by the way, at the MCG for Collingwood. Uh, and I believe that 95,000, they're tipping at the G. Even more than against Geelong. I can't believe that. That is unbelievable. They put the full house sign up already. And I just think it's a big test for the Dockers in front of 95,000 raging Collingwood fans. And if they win, they deserve to be uh, playing Sydney. How are they going to get 95,000 if they don't know who's going to turn up? Well, that's what they're saying, Jase. They're saying 95,000 to the G tomorrow night. It'll be 92 again and 8,000 empty seats from the MCC members that didn't bother turning up. Uh, they this they can't sell the tickets. So unless those, and they don't have to confirm that they're going. So well, how, that's how what can they're they saying. That's what they've estimated. Ninety five thousand tomorrow night. They reckon it's going to be bigger oh. than the Geelong game. There'll be eighty eight thousand of those will be Collingwood supporters and probably seven thousand Bulldog, uh, uh, Bulldogs uh, Dockers supporters. So it'll be a very very weighted direction there. But my my question was not that not who's going to win this week. Who who are the two that you think are going to make the grand final? Oh, look, obviously now Geelong and Sydney are in the box seat, aren't they? I think they are. Uh, I, I think Geelong, okay, Geelong should beat whoever gets through tonight's game. I think that they've got the class to do that. The other one, though, Sydney, look, that they've got the, the whole overall team to get through, but Collingwood and Fremantle, on their, when they're on... They're just as dangerous. At the SCG, though, Collingwood went up there a cup just a couple of weeks ago when they they lost by five or so goals, but they never looked likely up there at the SCG. And I don't think Fremantle's record at the SCG is tremendously great without knowing any statistics on it. 
I think Frio probably got more chance of beating them than Collingwood do, though. So uh, it, it will be an interesting one. But let's jump to a sponsor's break. On the other side of the sponsor's break, Stats has some big stories. He's got a little bit more information about, well, we will find out if he does, about the South, uh, the, South Australian, the Tasmanian football team and what's going to happen in that direction. And we'll know a little bit more about the TV rights deals as well. So stay with us here live and local on 1FM as we have a listen to some of our great sponsors. And, of course, our show is brought to you by Pat and Tina's. They're the BP service station up the north end of Shepparton. Shepparton Scooters and Mobility are registered with the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We can help you to understand your entitlements under the scheme and assist you in working through the process in acquiring the assistive technology that supports you, your family or clients that may need. With all of the leading brands and the advantage of national buying power, you can shop with confidence knowing that you're getting the best products at the right prices. Call us to inquire on 5831 7317 or visit our website shepherdandscootersandmobility.com.au 1FM sponsor. Pat and Tina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. Hi guys, Peter Cardamone from Cardamone Real Estate in the beautiful Goulburn Valley. I love my sport and calling AFL footy is my passion. So he'll come from 12 metres. Nana's worked as he brought it back. Oh, He's got yes. What a goal! And because he's got two, real estate across the Goulburn Valley is booming, increasing 30% over the past 12 months and a rental yield of over 5%. It's time you invested into the Goulburn Valley. Call me, Peter Cardamone, to chat all things real estate. Visit cardamonerealestate.com.au and right across the Goulburn Valley from Shep, Kyella, Marupna, Talamba and Chachura, you're in Cardamone country. 1FM sponsor. Segway Power Sports ATVs, UTVs and SSVs are now available at Shepparton Motorcycles and Power Equipments. The Snarler ATV bike is capable of carrying heavy loads and is a powerful and technologically advanced four-wheeler. The Fugelman UT10 petrol UTV is one tough machine. Designed to lighten your workload and make those trips around the paddock a blast. And fear no place with the villain SX10, combining extreme performance with modern aerodynamic design. Segway Power Sports is here. Contact Brendan at Shepparton Motorcycles Purcell Street or Paul at Shepparton Motorcycles and Power Equipment Benella Road or visit our website, shepparton.mpe.com.au. LMCT 11819. 1FM sponsor. Welcome back to the AFL opening bounce. We did ask Stats to get a haircut and get a real job, but he said, nah, I can't be bothered. Isn't that right, Statsy? Yeah, I need a haircut badly. I'm going to have to get one during the week. I I've got a lawnmower at home, or would you like the whippersnipper? I need a shave badly. You can't shave me, can you? A whippersnipper will do that. I've, oh, got, a, I've got a metal blade on it. Uh, that's <laughs> all I need is a metal blade, but anyway. <laughs> all right, get a haircut time. Stats, throw us the haircut topic of stupidity of the week, really. I, I suppose there's, do we say two? Do you want two? All right, right. We'll, 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 go to, we'll go with two. Let's okay, start let's with go one with at two. a time. Okay. How about we go to Zane Cordy and what happened with Mad Monday? Well, look. Now, for those that don't know, there were images of Zane Cordy uh, inebriated, intoxicated, whatever term you want to use. Totally splashed. Yeah, and he had 
uh, teammates, uh, Tom Liberatore and Ryan Gardner, helping him to a taxi, what I believe was outside the Railway Hotel in Yarraville. Uh, Matthew Lloyd on Footy Classifieds has come out and really given it to Zane Cordy and uh, said that you never see Scott Pendlebury, Lockie Neal, Clayton Oliver or Christian Petrarca like this. Absolutely embarrassing for a league footballer to be in this state. Be in control of your image. No example for younger players. Gee, lucky Matthew Lloyd wasn't around in the 70s. Well, <laughs> that was a different time, Stats. Different time. And if we look at where Cordy finishes his season, he kicked that last goal. He, he gave the dogs a sniff in that game. He, it was a great goal that he went back and kicked. That was what he was going to be remembered for for this year. Now he's remembered for being the nut on Mad Monday that was totally wasted laying in the gutter. You know, I'm, I, I don't really, like, you know what, whether it's a great look or not a great look, he didn't ask the media to come along and film that either. You're an AFL player. Of course they're going to be. Uh, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying that they they are young men. And look, would I say I've never been in that state in my life? I mean, throughout the 90s, I was probably constantly uh, like that in a lot of ways. So I'm not going to throw rocks at Zane Gordon. Look, there's, th- this whole Mad Monday concept, I think, it has issues. Look at, and I'm not going to go into what happened because you've either seen the footage or not, but look at what happened with Glen Waverley Football Club with their Mad Monday. You know, that whole club now is in turmoil over what happened in that incident. Uh, this is something that can, in some ways, you know, it, it, can, it could kill his career. He's already on the edge. He's already one of those guys that's the 23rd man and struggles to get a game. When Beveridge is now sitting down at the end of this season and with his list managers going, who are we keeping, who are we not? Well, oh, oh, wait on. He was the guy that was wasted on the side of the road after we finished. Um, it doesn't go well for your career. It's not a good look. But it's a common, seems to be a common thing still with Mad Monday of, of after clubs are finished. And you're right, Petrarca and that aren't doing that. But why aren't they doing it? Because they're expecting a camera to be there watching them. The paparazzi. Too smart, yeah. yeah in this day know, and age, it's just... They probably go home and they can get splashed as much as they want at home. But they're, they're in a safe environment and they're doing it with... The, with the, they're not out in public doing it. They're keeping their image up to the young kids that are watching football and doing stuff. So it was a bad look. But at the same time, um, it's who was pouring in the drinks? You know, the pubs are supposed to stop serving you when you're totally... And, that, and that, you're right, Jason. That's another different issue altogether, it's, isn't it? Like, so, so someone was giving him drinks when clearly he was about 15 drinks past when he should have been served another drink. So, you know, he's not the only one at fault there. The, the whole incident has issues. Now, were the players getting him those drinks? Was the barman serving him? Whatever reason, that all happened out in public. And it's a bad look for the dogs considering that they'd just blown a 41-point lead and they should have been going on this week to play football. So, all right, let's, let's move on from Cordy. He, he's got now six months to try and atone for his actions in a, a solid preseason, I guess, if he makes it through. Well, I suppose the other one, and look, I'm not really hair-cutting either way here, but just bring it up because it's topical. Wayne Carey, uh, with what's gone on during the week at the uh, Perth Crown Casino, and uh, I believe that there was a substance that fell out of his pocket and there's just been total mayhem around it. So, the, the, again, we only got what story we're told, but a, 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 power, a white uh, uh, 
bag, a white powdered in a bag. I was, believe there was a Ziploc bag containing a white powder fell out of his pocket. So he's obviously grabbed, grabbed money out of his pocket to throw on a table to, to have a gamble, and the bag's fallen out. Uh, security's been involved. Yeah, a cupia, a cupia, I think that's how you say it, a cupia uh, reported it initially. I believe it fell onto the table, yep. and, and then security's gotten involved from there. And what yeah. they say, you can't buy uh, chips with that bag? Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, but... But then we got to, okay, so the Crown kick him out. The Crown kick him out of the hotel, but they gave him back the bag. Now, this means that as far as it all happens, what was in the bag? Well, look, according to Wayne Carey, it was an anti-inflammatory uh, medication branded Aleve. I think that's how you pronounce it for pain. Okay. Now, they've thrown him out because they're assuming that's an illegal substance. They haven't kept the bag. They haven't handed the bag to police. Wayne says it's not. Then we have to believe Wayne's story, regardless of whether it's right or wrong. I agree. No police have been called. It's cost him his job. The substance wasn't seized, like you said. It was given back. And I, I can't see how you could take this any further I, I well i can wayne carey's the one that needs to take it further yeah well he he's obviously said that um he's looking at his options in relation to disability discrimination and legalities there and so it's cost him his job at this stage with channel seven so he, he i don't believe he did the broadcast i I think they had somebody else on there i don't remember hearing him in the broadcast and i believe so. he's i believe at the moment he has stepped aside from Channel 7 and Triple M duties. That's right. So it's cost him doing the final series, which would have been the highest paid part of his, his, his bits. He's banned from the Crown for two years. But also, if you if the Crown, and look, this would be part of their, their gambling laws, if you catch somebody with a substance and you're going to kick him out from that, shouldn't you have to hand that over to the police? I, I would have thought that they would have waited and made him wait with the and take the substance and made him wait until the police were called yeah and I, I would have thought it just it it's sort of like yeah okay let's assume and let's sort it out it, it, let's just hypothetically say it was an illegal substance then they've handed that back to him and they've sent him out the door with it kind of makes him like a drug dealer then they've given him that they've given him his drugs back um, but for whatever reason they didn't keep any proof now they're they're totally, uh, totally toast. If he wants to go and sue them, he will. So the haircut, I don't think, goes to Wayne Carey here, that it, regardless of whether he's right or wrong or what was in that bag. The haircut goes to the Crown for the way that they dealt with it. Uh, yeah, pop- I, thought, I thought they totally mishandled the whole information, the, the whole the whole thing, the whole um, their, their information. Like that, Wayne Carey said that uh, he, he tried to... Uh, give them the bag to to have a look at. They're saying that, no, that didn't happen and all kinds of things. So he offered to hand over the bag to staff. He but, offered, and they're saying, no, it didn't happen. So who's right, who's wrong? That'll that be on their camera footage or that'll be on camera. So if when it comes to being sued, uh, that the courts will pull that footage because there's nothing in a casino that's not recorded by 15 different cameras at the same time. Um, all right, move on to something positive, Stats. Give me something positive. Yeah, let's have a look if there is anything positive throughout <laughs> the week. Uh, it's hard in finals, isn't it? Because well, it's only negative stuff that's posted other yeah, than the games. Yeah, well, there's not really much that's positive other than, look, the rights deal got done uh, during the week, and I believe that Fox Footy and Channel 7 have kept all 
uh, that going forward. And uh, there's a lot coming out of that. And like, we'll just go through that a little bit. Uh, I believe that there's going to be from 2024 onwards, 15 Thursday night games in the home and away season. What are your thoughts on that for a start? Well, if there's 15 Thursday night games, then does that mean we need to move our show? You know, like, I don't like Thursday night football. I, I love it, I must admit. I, I'm working, it's it's that extra night, it gets me yelled at by the missus because now there's another night that I'm watching football instead of doing what I'm told. It's just, for me, I, I, look, it's okay to have a couple of Thursday night games. It's good to open the season on a Thursday night, that type of thing. But football... It, it messes with the re- the rest days of clubs and things. I think Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when football's supposed to be. That's when we should have it. Uh, it's a record $4.5 billion deal. Is that what they're paying us for to do this show next year? Yeah, well, I'd love them to be uh, <laughs> paying us that. We're actually just shy of that anyway. <laughs> yeah, only by about $4.5 billion shy. <laughs> But I suppose, like, so this is the main points of it. The first 15 rounds of the AFL Premiership season, the feature Thursday night matches, like we just said, Saturday night matches in the last eight rounds. So, yeah, so so the last eight rounds of the season will feature Saturday night games. Uh, all marquee matches will be live and free uh, Dreamtime Anzac uh, Eve, Anzac Day and Good Friday, Easter Monday, Queen's birthday, uh, plus at least three additional marquee matches. Uh, they'll all be live um, and you'll be able to access them free to air. Uh, broadcast live on Fox, Talon KO will be every single AFL and AFLW home and away match and AFL, AFLW final. And uh, excluding the grand finals, which will be free to air as well. So... One of the things that would have come into the play of all of this is that in the the last three years, subscription viewing of football has gone up by 37%. So 37% more people watching the game have moved to that. They're not watching free-to-air TV. They don't want the ads they're going through. So how many games are we actually going to see on free-to-air TV each week? Do, do they do they have they given us that information? Yeah, great. We're gonna do marquee well, they, games. Well, they haven't given that information. Well, they have. I just haven't sort of read that far into it. But like at the the end of the day, we're gonna get uh, free to air. Isn't gonna change too much, um, except for the Saturday night slots, which I'm not sure what it means to free to air going forward. What I do know is though the AFL will control all the drawing, all the fixturing. It will not be revolving around uh, what television necessarily sure. wants. That's what they're saying. You're yeah. going to believe that, are you? Well, that's what, I be- that's what I believe. That's what they're saying. Yes, they're going to control it all after Channel 7's told them where they want things. Yep, I, that sounds more like it. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Channel 7 ch- will... Con- well, no, the AFL will control it. After Channel 7 have told them yeah, what they no, want. Well, they're saying yeah. they're controlling it. So. Yeah, what a load of crap. Uh then I'm just looking through some of the, the bits about where some of the money's going to go. Uh, 10% of that revenue is going back into grass, grassroots football. So 10% of all the, the TV rights deals. So I guess that's um, 45 million going back into grassroots football over that, that time period of the contract. So that, that's a, a good thing for, for us locally here. Uh, might help us keep a few more kids playing and bring up the status of the game. 
and it doesn't give me a real lot of that. It's just a lot of it. What it's talking about is the decline of viewership in Channel Seven. So as free to air, they're struggling for be able to keep people watching it in that spot. But doesn't that one doesn't give me anything about what's going to give me games or anything like that. Um, while I'm looking a little bit more about see if I can find game stats, can you tell us what if anything happened? Like we spoke last week about Tasmania. Well, can- that was all linked to the rights deal as well uh, and them getting a stadium. Look, we did say last week and at the time we thought we were right in saying it that they were meant to be meeting on Tuesday with all the clubs and everything just gone in relation to a Tasmania licence. Now, for whatever reason, that hasn't seemed to have taken place. So, And I, I believe that the uh, rights deal will, what they're saying is enhance the prospects now of a Tasmanian team even further. Uh, okay. Um, the, well, how does that... How, explain that one. How does the extra rights money, which is clearly going to be chewed up by salary cap anyway... How does that help a Tasmanian team? Well, they believe they want the branding of, of the Tasmanian uh, side and, and they you know having a new side come into the football right sort of broadcast, uh, watching it grow and develop, and they believe that just adds an extra interest and layer to viewing, particularly in the pay TV spectrum. Okay. Um, so I'm just looking at some of the, the nitty-gritty of this deal that's come out. So it's a it will it's a deal that'll run from seven years for yeah, seven, seven years. years yeah. So it's probably a longer deal than expected, which in my mind makes it unders, okay? Because value goes up. Um, if and if we use let's use Gridiron as an example, uh, these guys are signing contracts that are worth fifty million dollars a year, but they're a five or seven year deal. In five years time, fifty million is no longer considered a big amount of money. It's just a standard bit. So. Have we signed away, like, yes, the first couple of years, we're earning some pretty good cash. We're earning about a third more than we were earning before. But by the end of it, are we actually just getting base money because of everything, the way everything's gone up? So Channel 7, will, yeah, Channel 7 will broadcast live those Thursday night games. So they're, they're obviously moving into all of that. The AFL will keep control, supposedly, of grand final time. So whether it be a twilight or an after after game, the deal includes AFLW as well. So it's not just yeah. AFL. So again, that takes away, is the deal as valuable as they say it is? Because AFLW is growing massively. And so surely the TV rights of that by 30, 30, 2031 are going to be worth a chunk of money on their own. Uh, KO will still be a, a big part of it so those with ko subscriptions you'll be able to keep your ko subscriptions you're not going to need to go and get paramount or one of these other ones other than that it gives us donuts about how many games actually going to be shown on live tv which is the big talking and that's really what people want to know is how many games are we going to see on channel seven uh, and last we heard stats there was going to be no saturday football on channel seven yeah, and that looks like that's what it's going to be like going forward. Uh, albeit um, the last eight rounds, what I make of it at this stage. Right. If I read it right. Yep. Well, they're not they're not giving any. Well, I guess they're going to have to have some because Dreamtime at the G and those to Anzac Day and things like that, they're always um, Saturday night games. 
Anzac Day. Oh, Anzac Day is on the day it falls. Anzac, but um, Dreamtime at the G is always a Saturday night game. Yes, it is. Yep. So they're going to have to have some Saturday. Well, well, that's they've already nominated those games will be shown. Yep. So they're marquee. They're games. marquee games. So yeah. So there will be some football on a Saturday night. Uh I don't know. Like there was to say, the deal jumps up from. It jumps up to six hundred and forty-three million a year average, from four hundred and seventy-three. Uh, to me, I could accept that if it was about a three-year deal or thereabouts. Otherwise, I reckon they're about two hundred mil short. To be honest, stats. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. It's uh, a lot more money than I reckon I'll ever see. It may be, but in seven years' time, or Nine years' time from now, because that's when we're talking this finishes. It finishes in nine years' time. You're telling me $643 million is going to be worth the same as it is today? Oh, look, I, I don't deal in those big figures like you do, Jay. So I'm not okay. A, I'm not is, t- is $10 going to be worth $10? You know, what are you going to buy for $10 in another nine years' time? Yeah, well, who knows? Not much. And that's my point there with it is I, I think that they've really they've signed the same deal. I, I think, look. In one inflation. sense, there's security with it, though, locking it in. And, uh, like, at least everybody knows where they're headed with it. Look, yeah, whether the money thing is a really big issue going forward. Like, I mean, you get to renegotiate it at the end of seven years anyway, and then you can just add on. Yeah, but add on to what? Well, at the end of seven years, you just add on to, you know, what you think it's worth. And if it if it sort of starts to... Uh, you know, really increase, like you said, with particularly the platforms and percentage-wise and that, then you're in a stronger bargaining position, aren't you, again? Well, no, you're not because you've signed the deal. You've got to no, wait. but um, at the end of seven years, I'm talking. Yeah, at the end of seven. and So at the end of nine years from now, before you can actually ask for more money, the player's salary cap's going to go up. The player's salary cap will probably double between now and then. So everything else is going to go up, but their their money's not. I I think the AFLs they've I think it's a big whack. I think they've sold like it's a record deal. Not you, we're talking about a record it's deal. It's inflation. Here. That it's they're up um, hundred and sixty mil. That's inflation. Yeah, I I think you know like yeah. Look, I I don't think I don't see that as a major problem. That that's gone up. The percentage of that is no different than what we're paying for I, petrol difference this year. Yeah, that, I, I don't I don't see. You got to lock it into something, and you got to you got to say, well, what what do you want every two years? I every think, one year. I think you've got to have people will walk away from that. If you're going to negotiate every two years, people will just say enough's enough. I'm just walking away from this. Oh, well, I think you've got to look at it of what inflation's going to affect. I, I've got no problem with signing the deal, but I think the deal, and look, maybe it is built into it, and we don't know, uh, but I think the deal's got to be built with inflation to be to be part of, the, part of the growth of it, of what's going to happen with the cost of living, what's going to happen with everything else. To say, in nine years' time, I'm still happy with that money, that might not be enough for the AFL to fund the competition. Oh no, I, I can't see that. I think it I, it's a big whack of money, Jace. It's a big whack of money, but they spend a big whack of money too. The CEO's got you know. Well, they're only like ten percent of it's only going back, like you said, to grassroots level. So, like, like to me, that's a very low percentage. 
as well. Like, well, grassroots footy is struggling. It should get a lot more than 10%, but that's another debate for another day. <laughs> All right. Uh, any more topics you've got there? Uh, well, any, any news? Well, on, well, coaching. Surely you've got some news on Essendon's coaching well, job. Funny you say that because I was just about to mention your man, Ross Lyon. He's uh, not felt, my man. He I felt no vibe him. during the week. Uh, apparently, he received a phone call uh, from Essendon or someone within Essendon, and there were people outside the club that were formerly at Essendon saying, getting in Ross's ear and saying, well, look, maybe it's just a bit culturally unstable at the moment. Maybe we just, you might need to wait uh, on it. So Ross said he didn't feel the vibe in the end. And, like, it, look, you know what? I, I think Essendon... If if they had said you're not going through a process, we just want you as coach, I reckon he might have done it. But I reckon they, they've probably pitched it to him that, look, we want you to go through a process. With uh, And he's just gone, you know what, too hard. Um, you either want me or you don't. And he's hung up. Yeah. Uh, is Ross been, has he been a bit precious? Like, look, I, think a, he, I think he's just happy what he's doing. He's been there and done it as a coach. He hasn't won a flag, but he drew uh, a grand final. Look, I, I think he's just moved on from being a coach and he's happier in the media. So is that Essendon's fault then? That, that he has no, maybe he has no desire to coach at all. And you know, it's kind of made out, oh, I didn't feel the vibe. I didn't, I didn't like the way it was, this, that and the other. But at the end of the day, if you're going to employ a coach, you've got to run through a process. Yes, you know what Ross Lyon did years ago when he was coaching, but football's evolved. Has Ross been able to evolve? He well, could. He couldn't win a grand final then. You can't. You can't sort of say on the one hand, and this is where I reckon Essendon are really pigeonholed themselves. We want an experienced coach. Now, there's not many of them out there that are on the market. Now, Beveridge has been linked to him. He's not going anywhere. He's staying at the Dogs. We've had Hinkley throughout the year linked to them. He's not going anywhere. He's staying at Port. There's not a lot out there other than Leon Cameron. Leon Cameron. There's Don Pike, who's currently oh, the Sydney assistant. Now, he, he has been linked. <laughs> Could you imagine that? They can all go on a camp. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, oh, look, I think he's he's learnt a lot from that and, and like, he's... You know, he's he's sorry for what's happened with that and he's moved on from it. So I, I think he'd be actually really good because he's really rated at, of course, Sydney as a part of their resurgence. And he got Adelaide, you know, he got Adelaide at a really bad time at that football club and uh, got him into a, a grand final. So the the guy can coach. That That's the thing. Now, Essendon, on the one hand, is saying we want experience. They're, they're sort of eliminating the fact that... Uh, and then what do they mean by experience? Do they mean that they want an assistant with a lot of years at uh, under other coaches? Are they looking for someone that's done the top job before? It's sort of a bit ambiguous. Do they want somebody that's able to deal with um, certain... Uh substance policies <laughs> like you know that they've got to look at where they're at, at this point you know you know who they're going to end up with they're going to end up with james hurd back there yeah so i, I sort of I, I just don't see that they will ultimately I, I i just think look don't get me wrong i think hurd will coach again i think he'll coach at another football club i just don't see it being Essendon ultimately i look i well, it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden they just announced tomorrow that James Heard's a coach, but I just don't think he's quite ready. He's, he's an assistant at the moment at GWS. I think he just needs to hone his craft a little more. 
Oh, then where else do they go? Like, if, if like you say, they want experience. They've shot Ross Lyon down, so he, he he's done. They didn't didn't do that. And I think honestly, with Ross, he made it pretty clear when last year they were talking about the Carlton job, and he basically said that they wanted me to do this, that, and the other, and I just want full control. So Ross, it was if you want Ross Lyon, you you've probably got to do similar to what North would have done with Alistair Clarkson, and said, here's the blank piece of paper. Fill in what you want. Fill in your numbers and sign the bottom of it for me, mate. Don't do you think that would be that's what they needed to do if they wanted Ross? Yeah, I just think that if they've said to Ross Lyon, we're going to go through a process, and that that says to me that they're going to look at other options. I just think he's just gone. Well, you know what? I'm either your man or I'm not, I, and either appoint me or don't. But I think if I was interviewing Ross, the one question I'd want to know is. You were an extremely defensive coach, and that didn't work. We have a bunch of young, fast kids. What are you going to do with them to turn them into a grand final side? Well, one of the... And if he can answer that question properly, then you hand him his blank piece of paper. Well, one of the criticisms of Essendon throughout the year that they weren't defensive. And that, that's right. He would bring that aspect in, but he's, he's, he's 100% defensive. He, he loses the offensive part of a club. And Essendon are the most dangerous when they're running and gunning. So a bit, bit dangerous there. Uh, would Cameron be any good for it, though? He struggled with culture at the Giants. The, the young kids really didn't gel as a team. They, they all, we always saw them as a bunch of individuals. Well, I believe, I believe without looking it up and just going off the top of my head, that he made five final series in 10 Seasons or just under at the club and made a grand final. So with about four thousand first round draft picks, he still did it. He still got them jelling. Yeah, but you're, look you're what saying he, was he didn't gel them at all. But they made they made a fair few uh, final series. How many times have we sat in this show saying that they're the most talented group out there and they're all individuals? Hundreds. So uh, did he get them working? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, all right. it depends on how you measure success, isn't it? Well, I guess you measure success by grand final win. <laughs> St Kilda don't have much of that. Uh, let's jump to a sponsor's break. And on the other side of that, we're going to jump into the two big games that we've got going uh, this weekend. It is the, what do we call this weekend? Stats? The semi-final, semi-final weekend. Semi-final weekend, that's it. I'm thinking, well, oh, they come up with a name for everything that changes so often. Uh, listening to the AFL opening bounce brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP service station. Pat and Tina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Pat and Tina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. And welcome back to the AFL opening bounce on semi-final night. As Stats mentioned just before we jump to a sponsor's break, it is semi-finals in the AFL. There is three weeks left, and on the third Saturday from now, it will be the big dance. And who will make it? Well, 
it's a pretty tough battle. If you're one of these two, four teams playing this week, you're in for a war. The best thing, two teams that are pretty happy are the Cats and the Swans because they get a week off because I wouldn't want to be playing either, any of these four teams if to try and get through. Uh, M- Melbourne and Lions uh, will kick off in an hour's time. Our coverage starts just a little bit after 7 p.m. here live and local on 1FM. And Statsman, you know I'm going to do it. Who's our coverage for tonight? For tonight? Yep, for tonight. For tonight, when we get off air, that'll be Melbourne and Brisbane. It'll be Barry Denyer, Travis Fitzgibbon, and expert commentators Andrew Cracker and Chris Egan. And on Saturday night, we've got Pies versus the Dockers, and it's going to be... At the MCG again, and it'll be Peter Cardamone, Shepparton's very own, Chris Johnson, and expert commentators Gilbert McAdam and Peter Cardamone. I don't know. I'm, look, I'm looking on the AFL website, and it says it's Saturday at 9.25am. <laughs> I don't know. You, you sure you got the right site? Sometimes on that particular computer, it can take you to the wrong... I'm on the right site. It said I said PM before, but for some reason it says AM now, so I'm pretty but sure... But both it, games will be covered on 1FM tomorrow, and of yes, course... Yes, it will be tomorrow game night. It will be 7 o'clock onwards. The AFL accuracy on their website probably uh, is about as good as St Kilda's kicking accuracy, so yeah, we don't trust it always, but I'm sure it'll be a nighttime game. As far as ins and outs for this one, uh, a big out for the, for the Pies, Taylor Adams is out injured. Bianco comes back in. Kruger was the medical sub last week and st- probably will end up the same this week. Across at the the Dockers, the medical sub was Banfield last week. Um, he came on very late, but uh, didn't have mu- didn't have much chance to get, do anything. Andrew Brayshaw plays his hundredth game stats in a semi final, so uh, it's not a bad thing for the young kid. And what are the odds? The odds are for the Magpies Dockers. Magpies Dockers. Yep, yep. no worries. It's a dollar fifty-five Collingwood. The Dockers are two dollars forty-five. Line ten and a half. All right, and uh, we will have. Of course, this will be live coverage. So here on our NRS for, for on live and local one FM. Who's our commentators for this one? We have got Peter Cardamone, Chris Johnson, Gilbert McAdam in special comments with Peter Crackers. Pious Paul Keenan. Oh, now how can you ask for better than that? Carters and Crackers Keenan on the same coverage. You've got to be listening to that one. Do not jump onto any other station for sure. Stats, let's, we're missing the Bridges here. This is where the Bridges comes and, and does his thing, and he tells us all about the players. He tells us all about everything, and no doubt he'll be sitting there listening to it, and he'll listen to us botch up. The, we'll listen to you botch up the name stats, and me have no idea what I'm doing. So let's try and work it through. I'll get you to tell us a bit about the pie side of things, and I'll have a bit of a look at the the Dockers side of things. Look, I think Collingwood were pretty gallant in defeat last week, and the Dockers were absolutely amazing with a 54-point turnaround, albeit in Western Australia. So I sort of, I don't know what to make of it in a lot of ways. Look, albeit you've got to give them credit for coming back from that far down. Collingwood, look, uh, we talked about Mason Cox a little earlier. Will I give him more game time? Uh, Ash Johnson just needed a bit of composure last week. Look, he did. He was very good, but there was an occasion there where he should have took a shot on goal. He tried to snap it. Uh, same with, uh, of course, Majacek, who also, uh, in the second quarter, he played on when he should have owned the moment a little more. He needs to stand up in big games in that forward line. I thought side bottom tried his heart out 
last week for Collingwood. Uh, Bo McCree, uh, I thought he was a bit fumbly at times last week, along with Ginevan, uh, particularly Ginevan in that forward line. He needs to start running and leading up towards the football. He tries to dinky out to the back too much, and really, Ginevan's really in danger of losing his spot in this team right now. That was obviously his first final, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yep. And he's uh, he's a big mouth, without a doubt. Um, he, he definitely wants to uh, celebrate a win, but yeah, it's maybe the pressure, just like the Dockers were, the pressure just got to the young kid. And uh, Paddy Dangerfield came out and had a whack at him for that chicken tackle during the week. And, and although... I, I, I agree with Dangerfield. Like, the young bloke made a mistake. I thought Paddy Dangerfield coming out when he's the player association president, coming out about his own issues. How about you sort of help out players when they're in need a little more and coming out and helping out and supporting them? You're the player association president. Just don't make it about yourself, Paddy. Well, okay. Oh, a bit of a, a bit of a kick in the guts there from Stancy. Oh, look, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He's right about the chicken tackle, but... I. I I'm interested if it had been a Geelong player, would he have been so vocal? But anyway. Fair enough. Uh, okay, across at the Dockers, well, look, it's a bit of a, a, a question of where do they go because normally when a team's 41 points down in a game and they come back, it's such a hard-fought victory that it just saps the energy out of you and you get through the game and emotion goes with you. But to be honest... I don't think that second half of their football was that taxing on them. They just pegged them back one goal at a time. It was just a process. It was just a game of football. Uh, the dogs just weren't able to hit the scoreboard in return was all that really happened. So I don't think last week's going to suck too much out of them. I think the one worry for them is it could be very wet at the uh, MCG tomorrow night. That. And that's where Collingwood got them back in round 10 at Optus. They got them on a very wet deck when Collingwood went in as... Uh, uh, they didn't go in as favourites on that occasion. Fremantle were an overwhelming favourite and going really well at the time, and Collingwood got them on a wet day. And most of the games that Frio have dropped this year have been wet matches. Look, as far as let's look at their forward line. Uh, Rory Lobb was he is a monster. That guy is an absolute monster to actually try and man up on. When he goes up to take a mark, he, he's not just his height, his shoulder strength, the actual. His physical ability at the the pub where we were watching last week, they dubbed him Ivan Drago. That's what they reckon. He was the Russian from Rocky, the way that he looked. Then I think that was pretty accurate of parts there. He is going to have a big impact on tomorrow night. Darcy Moore is going to have to struggle to stay with him. But across onto his left, Jaya Miss, the young kid, he's skinny as a rake, but he moves good. He takes a strong contested mark. I think he he grew of age last week. He missed his first shot. That was probably nerves. But he didn't give up from there, and he come back and kicked two big goals that helped win him the game. Walters is... Uh, now, Brock, our Fremantle supporter, he's, he loves Walters. He thinks he's great. And what he reckons Walters does, and he told me I had to bring this up this week, even though I don't really have much favour for Walters, is he says this year Walters has stopped playing for free kicks. Walters has started playing team football and started just playing football. When do, he's do, on, like last week, he's really on, but, gee, he can be cold on occasion Do, do you well. think that's right, that he stopped playing for free oh, kicks? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that he's playing the ball a lot more. 
I'm yep. not sure if he was playing for free kicks, but he's he's definitely playing the ball a lot more. And they do they are going to need if they can get three goals out of him this week, that is going to go a huge way to do it. Their half forward line is a bit weak. Schultz is a bit on and off. Switzkowski is not really definitely not really a centre half forward, so that that's a bit of a. A shame there. Tabernar really would be a, a much useful, more useful there. Chapman, well, I'm not sure what he's doing up that end of the ground, but send him to the back line to punch those balls. He's better there. In their midfield, Jordan Clark, love the way that kid's playing. He's having a good go. Uh, but across there, Brayshaw, will he win the Brownlow? Uh, he's not tipped to win, but I think he's definitely going to be in the top I three. I think he's a big chance, and actually. I, I think odds-wise, he is a huge chance to win. He's the player association, or is it coaches votes, the one that goes in the Herald Sun? He, he won that one, so he, he's he's definitely recognised across the league as being one of the best. Blake Akers was quite good. Struggled a little bit early in that game, but when Frio started getting on top, he found his feet. See, how invested is Akers, though, when you hear sort of things that he may be leaving the club? <sighs> Look... The, qu- the question, I guess, comes, and we don't know the answer, is did Akers want to go there in the first place? He, he was happy at St Kilda. Did he go there by choice, or did he just get the tap on the shoulder, mate, you're gone? And if that was the case, then maybe he's not that keen. But at the end of the day, he's there to play football, and I think he's doing that. So I'm not, I would be worried about what he's going to do next year. I'd be worried about what he's going to do in the next three games of football. Well, what about Rory Lobb? Is Rory- he invested? Rory Lobbs, he's definitely invested. He, he's invested in this year for certain. You could see that in him last week. He was very good last week. Alex Pierce has been great in the back line. Luke Ryan, he, he's, uh, he was definitely the superstar last week, and he's going to have a big game. And the, the reality is the, the big tall that he's got a – or the big strong tall that he's got to play on, I don't see Collingwood having that player. Yeah, Darcy Cameron's in there or that sort of thing, but they're not – an Aaron Norton sort of a player. So I think Luke Ryan's going to have a much easier game this week and probably clock up that 30 disposals again. And Alex Pierce is just as solid as a rock in defence as well for the Dockers. He is. Ace is doing well coming off the back line. Uh, in the ruck section there, Sean Darcy, he was pretty solid last week. Uh, he, he was stronger, far stronger than English, and he's going to have the same bit going up against Cameron and Cox. So he's got the edge there physically, but probably not... Uh, once the ball hits the ground, I think the other two will do better there. Will Brody and Caleb Sarong, both amazing players. And if anyone's going to stop uh, Brayshaw winning the the Brownlow, it's probably going to be because Will Brody stole some of. How his good votes. has he been this year, local lad? He is. He was just traded this this year, wasn't he? He went across yep. this year. So is he? We'll talk about Stengel as being the the trade of the year, or is it Will Brody? Like that's a that's a good question that we might talk about that next week as who was the trade of the year looking back. Uh, in the interchange, Frederick David Mundy, he can't retire. I watched Mundy play last week. He should not be allowed to retire. He was brilliant. He may be old, but he another was local brilliant. lad from Seymour. Yep, he should be playing on again. If you're listening, Mundy's family, tell him to go one round one more time. He deserves it and he's good enough it to do it. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended out at a North Melbourne or somewhere like that. It wouldn't surprise nah, me. I can't see it. I, I believe he's he's bled the purple and I think that he's he will finish his career there. Well, they, Dermot Brereton bled brown and gold and ended out at Collingwood. Yeah, but Hawks year. have a tendency to put people out to pasture. 
Uh, let's look. Let's, come on, let's look at Hawthorne's history. They sent Hodge, all those guys, out to pasture, and they all went on to play multiple years elsewhere because they were told to retire. So I think Frio would want Mundy to go on, even if it was just from the like the Selwood role, where he's playing say 70 percent of game time, but the experience that he brings into it. So I'm. I'm looking at it on paper and I'm switching midfields, you know. Pendles versus Brayshaw, Darcy Cameron versus um, Sean Darcy. But then I get to the back line, to your forward line stats, and I got Majacek versus Brennan Cox. He's nowhere near going to be strong enough to take Cox. Uh, you're going to have Mason Cox. So that, that's where I, I think you're wrong because I think my check is a very strong pack like in in pack situation and one on one. My check is very strong. What I will say if he, is he doesn't up. he doesn't keep his feet. Yeah, if, that, that's what annoys me at times. He falls over a lot. My check, if, has you, he, if you notice, has he played a decent game this year? Oh yeah, like, yeah he's he's uh, he'd be up there in our leading goal kicking. He was brilliant early. Okay. My only knock on him is in bigger games he tends to go missing, but let's hope that that turns around for him this week because he's been he's been great. Particularly, he's one of the ones that have led the Collingwood Renaissance. Yeah, young been fantastic. Ash, young Ash Johnson. Well, age is well experience. I guess is going to be his bit. He'll probably come up against um probably come up against Pierce. I would think because that's where their matchups are going to be. McCrea will come up against Ash. And Luke Ryan, who does Luke Ryan have to go to? Probably going to end up on Dugowie. Could do. I think that's that's about the only matchup that warrants someone of his status. I, I, I don't know. But but Luke Luke Ryan's not really a matchup. He's the one that wins you the footy. Well, he was a matchup on Norton last week. No, he... well, actually, I don't think he was on Norton. I actually think you'll find that uh, it wasn't him on Norton. I didn't want to pick Cox, you up on that before. Cox was... was there as well. No, it was. Um, I'll tell you who was on Norton last week. It was. Where are we? I'm just struggling to read the names at the moment. It was Alex Pierce. He was Pierce. on Norton, right? Well, they were all taking their turn on him, but uh, I think that that's where they sit. So for me, I like I like the Dockers back line over your forward line. I think your for your back line's pretty solid. Darcy Moore's not bad. Dacos and Crisp are very good. Jeremy Howe. We'll take mark of the year for sure, but it won't, be, it won't count because it's in the finals. And if we take that across to Frio's forward line, you know, Rory Lobb, Walters, Jai Miss, it's a bit of a, a, an even matchup there. So midfield's an even matchup. I think you guys possibly lose it in your forward line. And I guess that comes down then to uh, Jamie Elliott. Is Elliot actually? Yeah, he's there. Yep. Yeah, he's playing. He's there, but he, they've got him in the midfield at the moment. I couldn't find him in the forward line because they he's too good for that now, and they've upgraded him to the midfield. Yeah, so, no, they'll they'll he'll start forward. He'll start there. So it probably comes down to can Jamie Elliott get them over the line again? That's what that's what it comes down to. Look, but, the the other the grading I look, and it's off the back of the course the uh, injury to Tay Adams, but uh, Trent Bianco, I like that in for Collingwood. He's good for it. As a young kid, I like, he, like the way that he contests the ball. He just gives that little bit of spark, and I think they're going to need that. He'll start off the interchange, and then he'll slide through. Ginnivan's on your interchange as well. Um, Lipinski. He's, he's had, been having a great year, I reckon. He's been having a good year. I wasn't sure what to expect with him because he's another one of those dogs players that was never given a chance because of their elite midfield. He was always the, the fifth man out. 
Uh, and I think he's secured himself a solid spot into your, your side and a good pickup for you. And their interchanges are Kruger, Oliver, Brown and Carmichael. So Kruger will probably get the job there. But being if it's a wet game, they might look at Henry or Brown and go with a, a smaller player to bring in. On the Dockers' side, their interchanges are Banfield, Collier, Meek and Ethan Hughes. I would almost guess that Collier would be my choice on that one if it's going to be a bit of a wet game. Uh, who are you tipping? Look, I think, like I said in semi-finals, the sides that finish top four and lose the first week usually bounce back. I think Conning would have a massive advantage being at the MCG and possibly being wet as well. You know, I've just got to say this, and I, I, I hate this. So we're looking at the team list in front of us, and then they're saying out Medi-Sub Kruger. That confuses me massively. Because he stepped on the field. Because he played, just, he's it, now out. Yeah, it just confuses me. Just don't put that there. Just say he's out. Well, we know it's so hard to confuse your stats. Yeah, I, I just hate that. It just reads wrong to me. Well, the bit I don't like with the medical sub is the fact that it counts as a game. You don't even have to get in the field, but it's still, played, it's still an AFL game that you played. I think that's something, look, we'll talk about that maybe when we get the bridge back because he loves kicking rules like that. But I'd like to see the medical sub disappear altogether and you have five on the bench. Well, it's no different than back in the day when you just had the 19th man and the 19th man hardly ever got on the field. No, if you, if you got subbed then, then you were, that's it. Just go, go to the bar and sit there and wait for the game to finish because you're not going back out. Okay, uh, I'm gonna, I've got a tip two ways here. Uh, I'm now one and three in the footy tips in my our finals footy tip and comp with uh, Brock and the, the Bridge and Mark. So I'm going to have to tip the pies in that one. I was, yeah, I'm going to have to tip the pies in that one because Brock's winning and he's definitely going to pick Fremantle. But my heart says I want Fremantle to win. I want Fremantle to get over the line. I think they've got the power to do it. The, the way that they won last week, it would be good for them as a club to go one more round, I think. The one thing I don't really see it being a high-scoring affair. Well, th- that's normal for the for a Fremantle game. And it being wet, who knows? That puts it down into all your smalls. So Ginneman and Walters and that might just keep the ball ticking over and keep the scoreboard ticking over pretty good. Hard to know. And depends on what the crowd's like. So you're tipping the pies, I'm guessing? Yeah, I'll, I'll go the pies. And what yeah. sort of margin? Look, like I said, I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but I think Collingwood by around 15 points. I'm going to go Freo by t- nine. Freo by nine is my bit. Uh, okay, then that leaves us to tonight in 42 minutes' time, and in about five minutes or so, our coverage will kick in here. Freo by nine, or are you going for Collingwood? I'm going for Freo by nine, but in my tipping, I'm tipping Collingwood. because right, okay. I, I'm behind. I've got to catch up. There's only a few tips to go. I can't tip the same as Brock. And if Brock wants to tip against his own uh, Fremantle just to stay in front, well, then that's worth losing just to make him do that. Uh, Melbourne versus the Lions is at the MCG. It's going to be... I'll check the weather in a second while Stats has given us the odds. I'll do the ins and outs. As far as Melbourne, uh, Joel Smith is the sub. No change to their lineup whatsoever. Uh, Across at... The Lions, uh, well, musical chairs, and hang on, I thought Petrarca was out. He is, apparently he is out. 
well, okay, good old accurate AFL website. I'll check a bit more info on that. But right there, it says we've got Petrarca playing. Uh, they probably haven't updated the side, but I, I be read up, an article. It's, it's 10 past 7. It's going well, to be I read updated. an article saying he was out. They've got... If uh, you go to AFL News, they said both Petrarca and Danaher. Well, we know we know we know Danaher's out. Yes, um, so Danaher's out. His wife's uh, gone into labour, so he jumped back on a plane to go up there for a very special day. So he'll be hoping that his boys do the job, and somebody else is in the goal square with a minute to go and, and does his job. Jackson Pryor has been omitted. Mitch Robinson's been omitted, which doesn't surprise me. Mitch did a few undisciplined things last week that just weren't up to the grade of AFL. Oscar Mack w- was injured with a uh, concussion about five minutes into the game, and all Lions supporters thought the world had ended at that point, but the rest of them did their job, so he's out injured with the concussion protocol. Cam Rayner comes back in after suspension, isn't it, Stats? It, it, suspension, that, Rayner's back from his suspension now, isn't he? I think so, That's yeah. right, he's back, yep. Darcy Fort comes in as their ruckman. Noah Ainsworth and Tom Fullerton comes in to replace Danaher. Ainsworth plays his 50th game. What are the odds, stats while I look up Petrarca? Yeah, we'll look it up because now I'm seeing reports that he is playing tonight, so I don't know. My head's spinning. But anyway, uh, the odds tonight... Uh, Melbourne are a dollar twenty. The Lions are four dollars fifty. Drifted off the back of Danaher now not being in the side, and the Lions twenty five and a half at the MCG this evening. All right, just um, trying to look here. So I'm looking through on my iPhone, and now oh, I'm just getting trade deals thrown at me here that I'm I'm looking at of of that. So there's some big trade stuff that has just come through onto the website there that. Um, Todd Goldstein and Hawthorne are talking. Uh, North Melbourne ruckman Todd Goldstein and Hawthorne forward Luce Bruce could be in new colours. Both sign both sign new contracts on Friday that will ensure they end, end their career as one club players. Hang on. How can they be in new colours if they just signed... Con- yeah, good work, AFL. Great article. Uh, no, I've got nothing on the latest of the, the bit. They haven't put any of that in why don't here's one more that's just popped up and i'm scrolling down and it says nothing 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 interesting nope doesn't give us that doesn't even give me who the sub is well i'm only going back two or three days ago with articles saying he is playing and you've got him named i i read somewhere that he would possibly be out tonight but let's let's go with the fact that at the moment he's in with a question at the mark. moment he's in with a question mark what was wrong with him do you know just that corky from last week. He just didn't come up uh, after he had that clash with Buddy. Okay. So if he is, he's possibly... Well, it looks like he has come up now. So, yeah, not sure what's going on there. Yep. No, it's just not a real lot of information there with it. So uh, match preview on me gives me, yeah, that Danaher's a late withdrawal. Um, despite number of injury concerns during the week, the Demons come into the match with an untanged lineup. So they're saying that at this point, Petrarca is playing. So just keep an eye on that. If you do have him in any uh, daily fantasy teams or anything like that, just make sure you you watch right till the, the game starts. Uh, the injury cloud over, hanging over Chris, superstar Christian Petrarca. Uh, yep, so he is playing at the moment is where we're at. And stats... Uh, our coverage we've already talked about. Uh, do you want to break down br- br- uh, Melbourne for me if you can? Yeah, look, the, I think they'll bounce back this evening. Look, they've 
they've really given it to the Lions twice this season already, haven't they? And whether Petrarca is 100% or not, I mean, I hope he is in some ways because I believe, look, and for a couple of weeks now with Melbourne, their synergy up forward hasn't been uh, great where it was last year. And I believe a lot of it's due to the fact that what's happened is that they've put Angus Brayshaw uh, more into the midfield. Now, last year when they won the premiership, he was the link man on the wing. And if you look at the champion data and the stats and that, he had he was up there for the most marks for the season. He was the link man, and he is really good in open space with ball in hand for delivery inside forward 50. And that was that link and passage inside to their forward 50. But since he's gone into the midfield, he's had to be more contested with his possession. And I don't believe he's as great at hitting up targets when he's have when he's at contested uh, ball and he has to have that heat on him. I think he's better on the wing. And I think if they put him back to the wing this evening, I, I think that they might find that that synergy with the forward and the link of Brayshaw, that'll improve that Melbourne synergy going inside forward 50. So if we look at the, I'm looking at the radar and there's a, a big chunk of rain that's coming down through Craigie Burn at the moment, heading down towards the G. So that there will be, I would think, some rain, but overall, the skies over Melbourne right now have no drops really happening on it, so that's pretty good. And the weather forecast for it, it's currently sitting at 16 degrees, so it's pretty warm down there, really. Uh, feels like 12, though, so a bit of wind to cool things down. So maybe not as wet a day, wet as we've had here floating through with a few good showers we've had over the last 24 hours. Melbourne's looking pretty good with that weather. Uh, on the Lions side of things, McStay, how good was he in the ruck last week? Like, Yeah, he was good. Like, uh, of course, they lost their ruckman early, didn't they? And it was sort of forced, but uh, I thought he competed really well, and I thought he was really gallant on the evening for the Lions last week. Uh, they've got, uh, uh, they've brought in Darcy, uh, Darcy uh, Ford. Th- their fort this evening, and, uh, and that'll be interesting to see Hard how to that tell goes there. what we're going to get out of him. He, he struggled in Lions colours. He's had moments of goodness, but a lot of the games, he's just had no impact other than pure hitouts. And if you're going to beat Melbourne, you've got to be like Max Gorn and you've got to actually have an impact after the tip out. You've got to be at the contest. You've got to take the contested marks. And I'm not sure that Fort's able to do that. Uh, looking at the rest of their midfield, Lockie Neal is the Brownlow medal favourite for a reason. He was absolutely brilliant last week. And Hugh McCluggage is just as good and they're going to steal votes off him in that Brownlow. Uh, if anything, I think McCluggage is almost playing at the moment better than Lockie Neal, but he's not getting the tag, so he's getting a bit more free run. Zach Bailey has been very good. Jared Berry and Cam Rayner are the others on the Cam Rayner on the other wing. I'm sure Rayner will spend plenty of time running forward, so he'll do a bit of both. In the back, in the the. Well, why have we got that way? Okay, uh, according to this, this has got no idea. It says Daniel McStay is going to play full back stats. Yeah, I don't see that. Happening. I don't see that happening. So. Yeah, Harris Andrews is going to play fullback for sure. He, I would put think he will get. Bent. Although, although it wouldn't be out of the rounds that he goes defensive somewhere, but I don't know about fullback. Oh, Noah Ainsworth as your full forward, not going to happen. 
Can't see that that being the case. Uh, Eric Hipwood has sent our forward. He's been pretty good there. He just needs to keep bringing that ball to ground. And he just needs to, to whenever he gets the ball, know where Cam Rayner is. Because the last few games he's played when with Rayner, those two have linked up extremely well at key moments of the game. So that'll be good. Caden Coleman, I, I really like the way this kid's come on. Of all the young ones this year, I think he's one of the ones that, as that second or third year player that's really taken a, a huge step in his career. Sarsevich has been good. Daniel Rich was very clean last week and did a good job across there. And then if we get to their, their forward line, Zorko in the forward line needs to do better than he's been doing. He's been inefficient and he's looked lazy. Uh, that's not going to cut it. Payne, Charlie Cameron has got to have a good game. The only way these guys are going to get a win is if they can get two or three goals out of Cameron. Yeah, and Hibbard will go to him, and he's kept him really quiet uh, the last two times they've met. And so that's going to be a tough one for for Cameron. Uh, In the interchange, Callum Archie, Lincoln McCarthy, Tom Fullerton, Darcy Wilmont, and Reese Matheson. Uh, As far as who's the, the medical sub, uh, I'm not sure on that because it hasn't given me that information yet. I'll say, I'll have it, no doubt, in the next minute or two, but right now I don't. I wouldn't think it'll be Matheson because I can see him going to tag Oliver, and that's what I'd be doing if I, w- I was uh, Fagan as I'd be wanting to get rid of Oliver out of the game. If Oliver's allowed to get 35 touches and do what he likes, then Melbourne will find a way and they will get over the line. If you look at this on paper... Gee, it's a big difference. I think Melbourne's lineup is just, it looks like an A grade versus a B grade team. Don't you agree, Stats? Yeah, look, look, on paper, they both look really good. But, gee, Joe Danaher coming out for Brisbane, it just really hurts them, I feel. I, I just like, yeah, I don't know. He was really good last week, Danaher. Look, and like I say, you can put McStay defensive, not probably fullback, but definitely across that half-back line. I felt he had some really good defensive efforts last week, but you'd think he'd have to go forward now. Matheson is the sub. So that the the guy that's been the tagger that's actually killed him over the last couple of weeks is the sub. I'm shocked at that. So who who goes to Oliver, Stats? Yeah. Like, or are you going to let him... You wouldn't let him run free. You no, just, I, I don't think they will either. And who goes to Lockie Neal? That's the other... That's the other Melbourne don't generally tag, so... Well, I don't think you can let Lockie Neal do what he did last week, though. I'm sending Viney to him to rough him up. Not to tag him, but to rough him up. Just to bump and push and prod. I, I don't think that... The, Mel, Melbourne aren't a tagging team. They don't really work on that. They work on just getting the ball and being able to be clean when, when they get hold of it. I think the physical side of it, I, I'd send Viney to Lockie Neal, Brayshaw to Hugh McCluggage. Uh, the two bits that I'd be sort of looking at. Ed Langdon could go to, to McCluggage, but uh, I just think that Viney's probably their best shot there to tag somebody yeah, out. Uh, with Brayshaw, though, I, I don't want him tagging. I, like I said, I want him to be gathering possessions on the wing and being that link man going inside forward 50, like they were doing with him last season. Well, this is this is, this is going to be a cracker game. Uh, again, a hard one to tip, but... Uh, I'm going to go with earlier. Look, throughout the whole year, uh, Melbourne have been the favourites. They've been, in my opinion, far too short to place a bet on. Uh, for the flag, they just 
the odds have just been not there. And one of the teams I did jump on midway through the year when they were on fire was the Lions. So my money wants me to go with the Lions stats, so I'm going to tip the Lions. I just can't see it. I mean, it'd have to be a massive turnaround on what I've seen the previous two meetings against these sides. And albeit they were better last week, Brisbane, it was up there. And you'd expect them to win on their home deck in a final. I know they got a poor finals record. And look, I'll, I'll give it to them last week. They were pretty good last week. I, I, I just don't think they're going to have... And it was a shootout last week. I worry about defensively the Lions. And I, I can just see Melbourne really putting some holes in that defence this evening. With Ben Brown in there, uh, Fritz needs to step up. Luke Jackson Luke Jackson has dropped right away. You talk about players checking out. To me, Luke Jackson's checked out. Uh, he just doesn't look like he's interested. He, he looks like he's just going through the motions. And he want to be careful or come grand final day, he could find himself dropped if they make it that far. Uh, who are you, so who are your tipping stats by how much? I, I think Melbourne and by the length of the Flemington. That that's I, I just think by yeah. four, so by fourteen hundred points Melbourne. Yeah, I, I I just think by the um tarmac of uh you know any airport you want to mention throughout the world. I just think that they're just gonna absolutely brain the Lions. I've seen it twice this year, and I just can't see the Lions getting within cooey of them. I I think you're right, but. The way that my tipping's gone this year and the way things have fallen, I, I need the, the Lions to win. So I'm going to go for go with the underdog in this one. Sorry, Joey, I'm, I'm off. You've you burnt me the last two weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm done. I'm moving on to the Lions with a miracle by two points. It's going to be the, my bit. Uh, we're done, Stats. We're, we've gone through. Lucky enough, there was only two games. We did miss the Bridges. It made it hard to do these teams. We, we love the insight that he throws into our, all of this, how logical or illogical it is. It, it does come through. Uh, we're going to have a song from each of the two teams, and on the other side of that, the NRS coverage will be there and kicking ready and waiting. You're listening to the AFL Opening Bounce, brought to you by Pat and Tina's BP Service Station, and we will be back next week. And I actually be out, I think, next week. Stats, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a, a gone away. Uh, no worries, Jason. Where are you off to? Uh, I'm off. To, I'm off for a weekend away, uh, getting rid of the kids, and the missus said that we've all had a stressful bit. It's time to go away for a couple of days' holiday. That, that's great. I hope um, you have a great holiday and uh, wedding anniversary. And that at least week. you'll be back for the big grand final show. Yes, we got married, and the, the day she wanted to get married was the last weekend in September. Now I said to her, "Look, if you want to get married in the last week of September, um, about every few years, you know what I'm doing on our wedding anniversary, and you're not going to like it." So we went a week earlier. So we got married on the prelim final weekend, <laughs> and it, it's a bit better. Um, the day the day we did get married, we had to have the TV there because Kilda were playing in the prelim final. <laughs> yeah, I can't understand how any marriage could ever happen on a Melbourne Cup day or a grand final okay. day. Or, I, I I went to a wedding. A lot of years ago on a Cox Plate day and I sort of mucked up trying to watch the Cox Plate on that day and got scolded by my own family <laughs> for it. But anyway, that's a story for another day. It is. So, yes. So, we're going away. Uh, oh, gee, what are we up to? 13 years, I think, we've been And, and even now. though I'm not a marriage person, it, it's great to see that you are celebrating uh, your marriage like that. Well, she still puts up with me, so she just one that deserves the, the medal, not me. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next week.
flying flag It's the emblem for me and for you It's the emblem of the team we love The team of the red and the blue Every heart beats true for the red and the blue And we sing this song to you Pantantina's BP service station North Shepparton has been serving people living in and visiting our region for now more than 50 years. There's no other place you can still experience driveway service delivered with a smile, the old-fashioned way. Supplier of BP Ultimate Fuels, they will wash your windows, check under your bonnet and even do your tyres while you wait. Next time you're filling up, do it at Patentina's BP service station. GV Highway, North Shepparton. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.